1: Hello and welcome to Kickin' Spoomers. My guest today is Rita Wilkins. Rita is a nationally recognized interior design and lifestyle design expert, known as the Downsizing Designer. She's a TEDx speaker and author of Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle. She speaks to audiences on the impact of living abundantly with less and challenges her audience to disrupt their status quo thinking so they can have more time, money, and freedom to pursue what matters most to them. Rita's dynamic, transformational speeches inspire, impact, and influence people to live the life they love by design. Welcome, Rita. How are you today? Thank you, Terry. I'm so glad to be here. I
0: feel like you and I have known each other forever because- We're in such alignment
1: at this stage of our lives. Absolutely. We certainly are. We think right along the same line. So I'm happy to have you here today. And I'm just curious to find out what your story is about. You started out as an interior designer. You built a very successful business. And then you decided to change your focus to decluttering and downsizing. So tell us a little bit about that story, how that came about.
0: Okay, so you never know what happens in life. Um, <clears throat> and for for 40 years, I've had a very successful interior design firm in Delaware. We've done work all over the country, everything from corporate penthouses, corporate interiors to um, tiny houses and tiny kitchens. And we also did Supreme Court justice chambers. So our experience is vast. And yet um, it was eight years ago, My younger son was serving in the Peace Corps and was invited to spend a couple of years in Senegal, West Africa. And after he was there for one year, he said, Mom, you've got to come and see this. You've got to experience this. And so, of course, I said yes. And I stayed with my son for one month in the most remote area I've ever been in before. Mm. And I was welcomed into the village by the village elder. With everyone standing around, and of course they had never seen a, a blonde white woman, and and I knew that they loved my son because he had been there for a year already, and the village elder picked up a live chicken and handed it to me as a gift, oh. and I knew from the background of what my son had said, Mom, they have nothing. So here they are giving me a live chicken and I'd never held a live chicken before. So I'm holding it like this. (laughs) And his African mother came over very graciously, picked up the chicken out of my hand. And that evening, she had prepared a huge dinner for 16 people. Her kitchen table was the ground. My kitchen table from where I was in my beautiful 5,000-square-foot home, sat 16 people. Mm. We were sitting 16 people on the ground and around this beautiful bowl of grains, and and then this tiny little chicken was sitting on top. And when I saw that chicken, I went, oh, my goodness. And then she had carved a wooden spoon for me and, and during somehow during the day so I could eat with my spoon because she somehow intuited that I would not yet be comfortable eating with my hand. So she pushed the better part of the chicken towards my son and me. That was a seminal moment for me. I had never experienced people who have nothing, but they were happy. And they were singing and dancing and dressed to the nines for dinner on the ground. Yep. and that moment changed my life. Hmm. And So I came back to my big 5,000 square foot home that I had built. And it was beautiful. It was a designer home. Right. It was almost like the lights went out for me. I looked at every single thing and I walked through very slowly and nothing meant anything to me anymore. It was just stuff. Wow. And so that was the moment that I said, okay, something's happening. I'm not sure what it is yet. But within that year, I chose to downsize from 5,000 square feet to 867 square feet and give away 95% of my stuff to people who needed it or wanted it. And I've never been happier.
1: That's my story. And that is so true. We think things make us happy. They absolutely do not they yeah. detract. It's funny because now we have something else in common because my oldest daughter was in the Peace Corps for a year in the Czech Republic in the yeah. 90s, so way back. So yeah. the Czech Republic yeah. is nothing like Africa. those people, um, it was right after communism had stopped, so they mm-hmm. didn't have as much but way more than Africa. but yeah. it, you know, I also wanted to went to visit her and it changed me but not like what seeing your son there change you, because that is life changing. And I find that people that have nothing are always willing to share, always willing to give you what they don't have. People that have a lot don't want to (laughs) share. It's crazy.
0: Well, you know, it's so funny that you say that because, um, because we do have a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, When I started saying, and of course, for years, people have paid me to upsize them in right. their homes or buildings, whatever. And now they're paying me to downsize them, which I have to laugh at because that's what we baby boomers did. We collected a lot of stuff. We did. But what when people resist giving away stuff they spent good money for, which right. I understand the mindset, but I just say, if you just shift your mindset a little bit to say, who needs this more than I do? So if you look at your closet right now and it's getting to be winter here and it will be cold and you have coats that are hanging around that you rarely wear or never wear or boots or gloves or hats or whatever it is, when you shift your mindset to say, there are so many people out there that will use this, I'm not really using it, they need it and they may not be able to afford it. That mindset shift helps people so much in terms of letting go of stuff that they hold on to.
1: Yes. And we do. We do hold on to I've been downsizing like for the last almost three years, but my situation is a little bit unusual because my husband and I are both self-employed. So I've been a realtor. I still am, but I'm not actively pursuing new business i'm just finishing up some old business but i had a lot of old files to get rid of my husband was in interior design and construction so we have a huge barn full of all of his tools wood that he he made cabinets for us in this house so there's leftover wood there's leftover everything so i'm trying to donate and get rid of it it's not as easy as you think even some of the The wood and all, it's hard to donate it, but I'm in that process because that's what I'd rather do that than put it in a dumpster. So it is taking me a little longer than I want it to downsize, but I am making a conscious effort to either um, give it away, give it to like we have 611 metals where they recycle. So if it's too old and it's not usable, I recycle, I give away. And But I'm getting to the point where what's left will just go in a dumpster. But I had five dumpsters. Now I might only have one. So, I, I, you know, I'm all about just giving it. And sometimes you do think, oh, well, my husband's this way with his tools. But if that costs so much money. I said, I don't care. It's going. If you can yeah. sell it, fine. But if you can't, it's got to be donated. We have yeah. to get rid of it. And someone else will use it. And I'm moving down to the villages in Florida and they have a 4,000 square foot workshop that men can join the club and be there. And- all the tools are going to be there. He won't miss them, but he yeah. still is resisting. He doesn't yeah. want to let. I think because once he sells that last thing, he knows we're on our way, and he's been kind of fighting the trip to Florida. He, he doesn't really want to go, but if I go, he'll follow me. And I just feel like it's the best place for me to be, so he'll come along. I mean, he sits in his chair here. So he, you can sit in your chair in Florida. He's not like me, active and outgoing and doing. Yeah. And he does all the cooking in my house. So that's a blessing. He makes me breakfast, lunch, and dinner and cleans up. But other than that, he sits. So he's right. not as healthy as I am. And that's right. not a good thing. So I'm hoping once we're in Florida, he will do a little bit more walking, maybe go to the woodworking shop. Even if he doesn't do anything, he can talk to the other woodworkers because he just loves creating and wood. he's done. He does stained glass. He does woodworking. He's he's an excellent cook. So anything creative, he's just really good at. And yeah. he's done a lot of he worked for Nixon. He did work at um, a lot of the big mansions in the Pennsylvania area. Um, and then he started working for people in their personal homes, but, um, Mm -hmm. he hasn't worked in a number of years because he had cancer and, you know, so he's not able to do as much. So it's time Mm -hmm. to let go, but I understand some people just have a hard time. I've changed my mindset and said, I don't need it. I want to get down there and start having fun and be able to clean my house in an hour. And not have a lot of stuff around me. I am having a hard time with books, but I've decided yeah. what I'm going to do. I'm going to have bookshelves with with um, uh, with um, um, doors on them so that I'm not dusting them all the time. And I don't want to be looking at them all the time either. So some things I'll just put behind closet doors so that it doesn't look like clutter. But right. a lot of the clothes and all, I mean, I have way too many clothes. We all do. Yeah. Well, you know, you've brought up a couple of really good points. And one is... um
0: the resistance spouse um so i call it the dueling downsizers um <laughs> where you could literally have a fight if you wanted to but there's no need to right um, so when we come up against that in in my world of the downsizing and decluttering um i actually love being the third party because i'm you know <laughs> i'm i'm that third party and i'm not going to battle with anyone so it's right. a matter of listening to but um to overcome some of that um that resistance um, number one, don't start on his stuff. Start on your own. You know, um, it's it's oh, a yeah. matter of him seeing suddenly, oh my gosh, you know, that dresser looks so much cleaner or those drawers, oh my goodness, you can find stuff. So some of that rubs off. Um, and then over the period of time, it's just a matter of having a conversation about why and hopefully coming on coming to the same page about, why we want to downsize so it could be health it could be you know go let's go have more fun do we really need to have all this big property all of that so it's those gentle conversations those nudges and what's interesting and this happened to my my brother and my sister-in-law my brother for years um was very resistant um to moving but then when it came to grandchildren you know, the, oh well, let's and they they lived about an hour and a half away, so they moved closer to those grandchildren. So there's always something that turns on that, but but it's the conversation over a period of years that said, you know, we could be closer to our grandchildren. We could be down in the villages having more fun. We don't really have to rake all these leaves every year. So anyway, that's that's one. And then another point that you brought up is um, uh, kind of the unexpected emotional benefits of decluttering and downsizing. You know, we have no idea how much um, those boxes in the basement somehow mentally wear us down. So for me, you know, I had so many boxes in my basement that I hadn't seen in 10 years since I had moved in. And when I opened them, I thought, why did I keep this? But somehow it was every time I went to the basement, I would see it and it would weigh me down. So it, it wears you down emotionally, physically, because it's a lot of work to get rid of all of that. Right. And then um, so the unemotional, or I'm sorry, the unexpected emotional benefits of decluttering and downsizing is you have more time, mm-hmm. you have more money, because you're not having to deal with all that stuff. You have right. more freedom, and you have more energy. So who wouldn't want that? And at this stage of the game, yeah, yeah. like, why wouldn't we want to free ourselves up right. to live a different life at this stage of our lives?
1: Right. Right. And my kids are so happy that we are downsizing because they did not want to be stuck with this after we were gone. They're like, oh, my God, thank God you're doing most of it for us now. And we're only going to take like 20 percent of our belongings. So it won't be a big deal. But yeah, they're just uh, they don't want to deal with it. They would have just gotten a dumpster and everything would have gone in, whether it was five or 10. Everything would have gotten thrown out.
0: Yeah, you know, Terry, that's a huge conversation, and I'm glad you're bringing it up because too many people are stuck and mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, my kids will take care of it." Oh. Well, and I, I was at a speaking engagement. I, I have a book, and and there was um, a line of people wanting to get my book after I spoke, and a young man came up to me, and he 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 was um, he was so torn. He said, "Rita, every single time I talk to my parents about." helping them declutter, they get angry at me. He said, I want to help them. Right. So, and then of course, from the other side, I've got the baby boomer saying, well, I wish my kids would help me. Right. <laughs> so I decided to put something together because it's almost like, okay, I've got to listen to this conversation and listen to this conversation. So right. I did my website. Um, I created two documents. One is coming from that conversation. The other one's come. And how do you solve it? Oh, so, that's great. from the kids' point of view, um, and and let's just say that, well, let let's start from from the the yeah the kids' point of view. Oh my God, mom and dad have left so much stuff, and when they die, I'm going to have to clean this out. And what does that cause? It causes anger. It causes resentment. Yeah, because um, it's kind of selfish when you think about it on our part as baby boomers to not address some of that at this stage of the game when we're still able. I agree. And so, What you really want to do to get the conversation started and on a plane that is um, um, amicable (laughs) would be um, to, you know, just get together, have coffee, and then say to your kids, what do you want? And walk through room by room by room. And they might say, I want that piece of artwork. Oh, I don't want that. And you might be surprised. They don't want a lot of our stuff. But if you can accept that, what that does is it gives you the freedom to let that go. Because so oftentimes we hold on to that chest or whatever it is, because of course my kids will want it. Well,
1: not necessarily so. I learned that long ago, because even when they graduated from college and had their first apartments, they didn't want my old stuff. They wanted their new stuff or they'd go to the Goodwill or whatever, but they did not want my stuff. So I did exactly that. We walked around. I asked the kids what they wanted. Um, The one, we had this beautiful tea set from Japan that my husband had bought way back in 68. It was the only thing my son wanted. So I said, you know what? Just take it now. We never use it. If I use it once, why am I holding on to it? So he took it with him. And then my uh, the other three girls, they all told us what they wanted. Some of it they're taken before we moved to Florida. I still have some fancy wine glasses I'm taking with me, but only mm-hmm. six of them. But I know they don't want anything else. So I can get rid of everything. They don't want it. I, kids don't want our stuff. Another way that I found out, my aunt died at 80 and she was a single woman. So I was one of the nieces. I had to clear out her house. There's, I have five sisters, so everyone was supposed to help, but a lot of them couldn't. So I was doing real estate, so my time was flexible. So I would run over and do you know, a couple hours every day or you know, maybe one day a week. And she had a five-bedroom house full of clothes and furniture, and she never got rid of anything. So when her one closet filled up, she moved to the other closet, filled that up, and then the other closet. Never got rid of a thing. So it took us a year to do that. A year to get rid of her stuff, take care of her state, it was a nightmare. Yeah. But, you know, shortly after that, you know, I had health problems, my husband held it. so, And that's the thing that you never know about. You never know when those health problems are going to hit. It's downsize yeah. before they hit, because then it's easier to deal with them. Right yeah. now, my husband is having problems with not going up and down steps to bed, but we have two steps down into the family room that he has trouble with. So, you know, if he goes too fast, or he's walking around with socks, which he shouldn't be doing, you know, he he has already fallen several times. So we need to be in a rancher because he just doesn't listen and pay attention. But you need to make that move before health issues arise. And none of us know when they're going to hit us, we just don't. No.
0: So part of my conversation with baby boomers, you know, I can talk really straight to people because they... They believe me, and I guess I, I'm considered an authority, but you know, we have a responsibility to go through all of this now. Now right. you may not physically be able to do everything yourself, so hire some somebody to help you with this. Right. But you um it, it's so important that we start sooner than later before it's too late because accidents do happen. Yep. So now there's another conversation to be had, and that's about the the you know, the, the parents who are complaining because their kids won't help them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, again, a gentle kind of um, conversation. And, and one thing I find that really works nicely is say, Hey, mom and dad, I know that, you know, you, you're going to stay in your house and everything else. And you know, that I would love to help you, right? You know, you're resisting, but could we walk through your house, you know, next week? And would you maybe give me a little bit of history on like why that chest is so important, why that piece of artwork is so important. Likely we baby boomers would be more than willing to tell the stories about our stuff to our kids. What Mm -hmm. that does is opens the door to say, Oh, I had no idea that that piece of artwork was grandpa's or whatever. Um, What it does is it opens the door to saying, well, mom and dad, you know, if that, you know, you said that that chest doesn't mean anything to you. Would it be okay if we maybe started getting rid of a few of those things? All it does is it opens the door. And then one thing to know for sure is that the the parent wants to be in control. You don't want your kid coming in telling you what to do. Right. So once you understand that mindset, and just say, "I'm here to help," and you leave that door open, and it's been a very successful process. Now there's still a third category. And this is, I mean, these are all the complaints that I get. And that's what we work with with people all the time What I speak about and write about when kids, when kids
1: leave home, but their stuff stays. That's a big Absolutely. I have four kids and they all left stuff behind. Absolutely. Yep. And
0: so, you know, it's a little bit of tough love, you know, Mm -hmm. they're adults, they've got their own homes now and, and, of course, there are different circumstances, maybe, you know, one of your children's in the military or something like that. Right. But you have to open that conversation to say something to the effect that, look, we're getting older and we're decluttering. We might downsize, we might not. But the bottom line is your bedroom is full of stuff from your high school days. And we would like to reuse that room. We'd like to repurpose it into a yoga studio or a craft room or whatever and then to you know have the conversation firmly but gently and ask them to come and get rid of their stuff now hopefully they're going to comply but if they don't just say look we mean it we're serious about this we need that room back by the end of december um them a deadline and then hopefully they're going to comply but if they don't then what you're going to say is okay i'm going to start packing it up myself and because you seem to have no interest in this, I'm going to put it in boxes and I'm either going to donate it or you know, you can come and pick it up. So these are three dilemmas that these generational um, situations occur and how do we solve them? And it's always through kind of a gentle approach at first, but then it's more of a kick-ass kind right. of thing to later on. And that tough love works. One, one woman said to me, you know, her son promised for 20 years that he was going to pick up his stuff from high school. When I went to help her declutter, his dirty socks were still in his shoes in his room. Oh, and my gosh. She was, she was getting angrier and angrier as a right. couple of hours went on. And at the end of the of the session, I said to her, you know, I could see you're angry. And she said, yeah, I'm so angry because he's been telling me this forever. <laughs> and I said, well, what are you going to do with all of his stuff? I'm going to pack it up in my car tonight, and I'm going to drop it off at his house. And anyway, it, it went pretty well. I mean, he wasn't real thrilled to see it on his driveway. But on the other hand, you know, he didn't say he he did say he would pick it up. He never did. Now, it's no longer in her room. But Good. you don't want it to get to that point. But no. on the other hand, you know, it's your home. And your your home is not a storage unit.
1: Right, exactly. I did actually I mean that my kids said if it's still in your house, I don't even know what it is. I don't want it. So I donate a lot of it was old textbooks. Yeah. Some of them I just recycle because they were so outdated. Anything good I sent to Goodwill. So I just got rid of it. But that shouldn't have been my job. That should have been theirs. Right. Yeah. Fun. You know, um,
0: there is uh, something on my website people are welcome to go to. It's a free download of 100 places to donate because we're always looking for places to donate books or furniture or whatever it is. Yep. And and if they go to my website, it's designservicesltd.com. They can um, just download that for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have updated it recently. Now, of course, there are more local and regional um, charities right. that you might consider. But I think it's important to, before you start, because, you know, people say, well, how do I get started? Where do I, where do I put all my stuff? Right. It's important to kind of identify, I'm going to be bringing my furniture to Habitat. I'm going to bring this to the mission. Right. Right. Um, if you identify that up front, then it's not going to be sitting in your garage or in your car for the next six months. Right. (laughs) So you have to have a game plan. And when people say to me like, okay, Rita, how do we get started? You know, they look at this big house. And I remember that day myself, I sat in my living room and I looked up and I just cried. I said, I have no idea, but, and I was a designer. I wasn't a downsizing designer. Um, So what did I know? And I had to figure it out myself. And it is, it's, when you get started, it's one room at a time, one closet at a time, one drawer at a time, so that you don't get overwhelmed. But you have to have a plan of some kind, you know, and it's a strategy. So once you say, okay, I'm going to do this, you kind of pick a room that's not so hard, you know, like a guest room, right? um, Because you're not in there all the time. Try not to start in those areas where it's very emotional. So you know, it might be a room that your your mom slept in for five years while she was ill, you know, that's kind of an emotional area. Um, But start in a room that's pretty cool and calm. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, then, you know, once you start out small, and you have a plan, just start implementing your plan and be realistic. Because for me, it took a year took you a year to downsize. Um, You know, don't be so hard on yourself. But I Every single week, and I actually had to have fun. I, I, I thought I could do everything by myself, but I said, "No, this isn't working." That was after one no, month. That's a lot I of work. Called my, I called my sisters, and I said, <laughs> "Help!" And they were so <laughs> sweet. They said, "We'll be down next weekend." So they came together from New England, and nice. the best time. We, I said, "Okay, well, we have to work on this area." So I had the strategy and the focus.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: helped me with all the physical stuff. And before you end your session, get rid of it, bring it to that donation site. Otherwise, it's going to sit in your car or in your basement or all those right. bags and boxes. So but we created something over a period of time that was like having a party, a decluttering party. So right. we don't say three to four hours and we're done and then we're going to have wine and food. And, right. and we would tell funny stories about do you do you believe that we kept that or do you know so you might as well make it fun and, exactly. and not, not a chore.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Then you're more likely to do it. And it's funny because we've had several garage sales, but the first one we had, we had, you know, whatever didn't sell went right into the car to Goodwill. We go, Perfect. this stuff is not coming back in the house. It's right. already been put out on the driveway for the sale, gone. So we've Perfect. done that with every every garage sale. If it doesn't sell, off. But yeah. we have so much because my husband's been in business for 50 years. So- yeah. And books, we all collected books. The kids did, I did, he did. Interior design books, building books, construction books. I mean, all kinds. So that has taken a little bit longer, but we're we're getting there. It's a big job, but we're getting there. We're we're down to the last bit. Once the house sells, I'm um, to the point where. Um, my daughter has to come and pick up some tools and then we'll start just putting things in a dumpster. The important things are gone. The things that we can donate, we donate it. The furniture in our house will probably be donated last minute because I'm not taking furniture to Florida. They said, you can buy whatever you need down there. Do not bring furniture. We need new beds anyway. So the beds go, nothing goes with it. We have a nice dining room set. I'll try and sell it. But if I can't, it gets donated. So I need it in the house until the house sells. But once the house sells, that's going to go. So uh, but it's been it's been a tough year, year and a half going through all this stuff. It really has been. So had I started earlier, it would have been easier. So and you need to because both of us have had cancer. Um, We both had different health issues. I had a hip replacement. So every time you have an issue, then it slows you down. So if you can get all that done before things start popping up, get yourself into a smaller space. It's so much easier to get through it and enjoy life. So, you know, I wish I had started earlier, but I was still working in real estate quite a bit, Um, but I could have done things. I could have started with Clear out a drawer. Clear out a. I could have done some things, and I did So it's my fault, right? <laughs> well,
0: but you, you actually sound like you are well underway. Um, a lot of people really get stuck. Yes, um, you know, so they might start, and then they they see emotional stuff, and they say, "I can't do this," and then they stop. Right. So one of the key things is um, how do you mo- how do you remotivate yourself? to keep going. I mean, you obviously are motivated because you know you want to move to Florida. Right. So um, one thing when you start out decluttering, it's so important to know why you want to declutter. Mm-hmm. And hopefully if you have a spouse or a partner, you're on that same page. So in your case, you want to move to Florida to go have more fun at this time. And you don't want to work as hard. Nope. And that's very typical of our age group. So other people might say well I want to live close to my grandchildren other people might say well I want to go you know be footloose and fancy free and travel the world right. so you know that why that makes you cry and and I say that deeply because I just moved a couple months ago I'm 5 minutes from my granddaughter and that makes me cry oh, that nice. she can come over and visit me anytime I love it so yeah. that was one of my why's for moving. And so another why was, you know, of course the living with less and living more um, and having nothing but being happy. Um, when you have that why it's going to motivate you as you go. Yes. So I keep reminding myself when I was downsizing from my big house, you know, Rita remember sitting at, on that ground and those people were happy. And, and I mean, I had beautiful stuff, but I wasn't happy. And the right. more stuff I I didn't make me any happier. Nope. so that why that makes you cry. And that's um I love that saying. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of the author of it. I'm I'm using someone else's quote. I want to say it's Jack Canfield. It's not Jack Canfield. Anyway, I'll I'll get that to you. Right. But, right. No, it's 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 a famous quote, the why that makes you cry. Oh. And and that goes right to your heart. So that is the motivator. And then, so when you get started, if you know that why that makes you cry, that's good. But then you're going to have your peaks and lulls and you're going to get discouraged and you're going to want to quit. Absolutely. You just remind yourself of that why. Right. And that will, that will get you going again and help you stay motivated.
1: Right. Well, my other motivation is money. This house is so expensive to keep up and it's just eating away at our money. So if I don't get out, I yeah. won't have as much to enjoy life later. So, financially, I had this is a very expensive area to live in. It'll be much cheaper in Florida. And of course, with a smaller house, it's going to help a lot. So, yeah. that's a big why. So, it does keep me motivated. And that's yeah. why I've had to work. I'm 73. I'm still selling real estate. I would have loved to have retired years ago, but I really can't while I'm living in this big house. We need the extra money. So, yeah that that's my big why. So yeah, sure. you're right. You do need to know the why. And like, you know, if you need to take a couple days off because you're just so worn out or whatever, take a few days off, go out and have some fun, see a movie, do and then jump right back in. And then it's not so bad. That's, that's what I've done and do it before you wind up getting sick. Cause otherwise you get sick and you're laying in bed. So that's not good. Take a few days off, have some fun, then jump right back in and get it done.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really, um, living a life without regret, you yes. know, and, and we've all worked hard in our lives at this stage, we should be having more fun and just enjoying life more. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's like a hurdle and it's, a, it's a barrier. The big house is a barrier. So if I get rid of this barrier, then I can go do what I really want to do. So it's designing the life that you really want to, to have. Yes. So, and tell- and living
1: without re- regret because tell us many- the- Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your book, because I'm sure some of my audience would be interested in buying the book that will help them get through the process, because you're not in an area that you can help everyone that because this is an international audience. So even the people in other countries, we're all struggling with the same things, you know, not Africa, but any of the, uh, you know, the Other countries were struggling with this.
0: It's a universal problem. So my my book is on Amazon. It's called Downsize Your Life, Upgrade Your Lifestyle, Mm -hmm. The Secrets to More Time, Money, and Freedom. Now, I will tell you that never in my life did I think I would write a book. It became a bestseller. And why? Uh, As a designer, I have learned to be a very good Mm -hmm. listener because we solve problems through design. You know, so space plan isn't working for us, the kitchen or the, you know, whatever it is, it's not working. So how do we solve that problem? For me as a designer, the greatest gift that I was given is to be able to visualize what what options I have, but also to listen to what is your pain. You know, why is this kitchen not working for you? Because you have 10 kids and, you know, everybody comes around the Christmas time, whatever it is. (laughs) Right. Um, my book, I've never thought I would write a book. But as I started listening more to this audience, people started calling me the downsizing designer, because I'm pretty well known in this area. And I thought, <laughs> what does that mean? you know? And I resisted at first, thinking I'm not going to clean out people's basements. But the more I listened, the more I realized that was meaningful to them to call me that because Rita had downsized from 5867. She did it now, she's happy. Like, right. how she do that? So, during the course of listening, I started writing and I just started logging the impact that living with less was making on my life. Mm-hmm. And then, all I did was I put it into a book and and I thought, wow, what did I get out of downsizing? I got more time more money, more freedom and more energy. And honestly, I've never been happier. Because now I live in a much smaller home, I have nothing I have to do. So, you know, right. you have that time to do what you really want to do. You have in, in, in this case, I have far more money because I don't have a big house. I have the freedom to pick up and go. And to pursue those things that really matter to me, which is now speaking and writing and, you know, our our business, too, is a a national audience. And also the energy. You know, when you think about that big house, how much energy all that stuff takes, right, to have to clean it or dust it or move it or whatever, you don't have it. So so it was a gift that I was given and I did not know. So the the book title is Downsize Your Life. Upgrade your lifestyle and secrets to more time, money, freedom, and energy.
1: Oh, that's great. And I'm sure it's on Amazon, right?
0: It is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. I'll have
1: all that in the show notes for anyone who's uh, listening while they're exercising or folding laundry or whatever. All of that will be in the show notes so you can just get them later on. You don't have to worry about writing it down right now. And okay. give us your website again, too, if people want to okay. look at your website. So it's, it's design, D-E-S-I-G-N,
0: services, S-E-R-V-I-C-E-S-L-T-D, like limited.com. Okay. And, On there, um, we have over 700 blogs about downsizing, decluttering, lifestyle, lifestyle design. Um, And I also have a YouTube channel. It's Rita Wilkins. And I'm really committed to um, inspiring other people um, and impacting other people to not be afraid to change your life. So my, my mantra is live the life you love by design because you get to design your own life. And too many people, they they don't think they can, you can. Um, So you can change if you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. You don't have to stay stuck and you don't have to have that status quo, you know, so where you say, oh, it is what it is. No, it doesn't have to be. So
1: I want to just shake them up (laughs) and wake Uh them up. And I think you have. I think you've become very inspirational. And you've done a TEDx talk. That's amazing. That's not Mm -hmm. that easy to get on the TEDx stage. So the fact that you were able to do that is wonderful. So you've kind of morphed into a whole different type of person. And I love it. You're now an influencer for baby boomers, I believe. Yeah,
0: it's become that. And honestly, I'm very humbled by that. And it was not intentional. But the fact that I did do this. I had the same tears. I had the same emotions that other people have. They look to me like, well, how did you get through that? And so I do a lot of research. I write, um, at least two or three hours a day. And I'm always speaking around the country and I'm writing another book and we've just created a couple of other, there's a lot of products on my website about decluttering. We just launched a new one. It's called the, um, Minimalist essentials, Read as minimalist essentials. When I say minimalist to our age group, we get scared. But right. when I say living with less, it's the same thing. Right. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it's a workbook about how to start living with less so you can
1: live more abundantly, um, much more abundantly. And it's so true. It's so true. Now, what I did, knowing that I wanted to leave real estate, um, I was starting to think, well, what do I want to do in retirement after real estate? I don't want to be just sitting on a couch doing nothing. So, And being in the villages, I hadn't made that decision yet. So I thought, well, what do I want to do? I always wanted to be an inspirational speaker, even in my 30s. That was my goal, and I just never was able to achieve it. So I thought, hmm. Now, podcasts are really big, and that's something I know how to do. I know how to speak. So I'm going to start a podcast. So Uh out of, you know, I did study it for a while. I studied under John Lee Dumas, who has a business podcast, and he has a course on how to do it, you know, all the ins and outs. I didn't really need that. I could have done it anyway, but I felt very insecure. So I did the course for a year. And then, like he says, at some point, you just have to start. You can just study for years, but until you start, you won't know what you're doing. So I did. I jumped in. I started my podcast at age 70. I'm now 73. Uh, Knowing that when I got to wherever, once I got out of the big house and stopped real estate, I wanted to do the podcast. And I just love speaking. I love talking to people. I love hearing other people's stories. So for me, this has been fantastic. But I always knew that possibility was there to morph into somebody else. I know a lot of boomers don't. A lot of people are afraid. I just had a luncheon with some of the kids I went to grade school with and they go, oh, my God, you started a podcast. Like, oh. I don't know how you can do that. And like, they're in awe. And I'm like, it's not that hard. You could all probably write a book. You could do a pie. You could do anything. So if boomers have something in their mind that they've always wanted to do, now's the time to do it. But if you yeah. downsize first, it makes that other thing easier. If you want to write and you're in a smaller space, you get up every day, you've got your three or four hours to write and then the rest of the day to have fun. So Downsizing is key. We've all collected too much junk. We got to get rid of it. So it does take a burden off your shoulder. It lightens everything. And then it opens up a whole world of other things for us to be doing. And we want to share our experience with other people. We want to be out there. Maybe we want to be a coach or maybe you want to write a book or have a podcast, but you can't do that with all the junk around you. I think you're so right. It weighs you down and you don't even realize it does. Right. Well, I really
0: admire what you've done because um, not everybody is has the courage that you did to start something. You didn't know what it was. You knew right. you liked them, but you then now you're doing it. And you know we can inspire others. You know that are a little more afraid. They're not as um, um, daring as you are. Um, right. So I call it living life on the skinny branches. You know, and as an entrepreneur, all of your life and certainly all of my life, right? You know, we're used to taking risks. Yes. But a lot of people and and to their point, they're not used to that. So it's yeah. very scary for them. Yes. I happen to love living out of my comfort zone because that's where I learn, it's where I grow, it's where I make mistakes and I learn from that. Absolutely. But not everybody is there. They need more yes. of a comfort level. So anyway, yeah, that's why the whole idea of taking interior design and bringing it over to lifestyle design, the methodology is exactly the same. Exactly. What do you want, um, you know, from your space? What do you want from your life? And then just design it yourself. And
1: that's what you've done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have done it for myself and I'm hoping other boomers after listening will understand how important it is. You can design the life you want. You can do anything. So, uh, you know, with you being such an inspiration and the podcast being an inspiration, I hope they're out there listening and decide that I'm going to take control of my life and design the life I want. Yeah, yeah. And it can be one baby step or it could be a big step. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. And And, you know, baby steps you have to take first, take those baby steps first, and then you can go out there and take the bigger steps for anyone who's interested. If you go to my website, kickassboomers.com, you will see me jumping off the Stratosphere Hotel in Las Vegas. And that was very scary. I did it at age 66 and it was scary. And I'm standing on that platform for like two minutes and they kept saying, jump, jump. And I'm like, I'm not ready to jump. I'm not ready to jump. And finally I just jumped. And after I jumped, I was fine. It's that first step that is very difficult. But once you take it, That first step to downsize, you'll be able to do it. You just have to do it. So if you need more inspiration, watch me jump. You know, it was very scary. I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's at the very top of the website. It says, watch Ter- Terry jump off the stratosphere. And you'll see the ne- Las Vegas um, skyline there because I put it all on camera. They You had to pay another 30 bucks to have the little go camera. I said, I'm putting this out there for history because I might never do it again. And <laughs> But once you take that step, it was so... I freedom. It was freedom and it wasn't scary anymore. And I landed just fine and everything was fine. But when you're standing on the grate and you actually have to jump off or (laughs) step off, that's the hard part. So that's my message. Once you do that, everything gets easier and you can just baby steps. You don't need to take big giant steps right away, little baby steps. And then, you know, you'll get where you want to be.
0: Well, you know, Terry, this is such a perfect example, because I think we all have a story to tell. Yes. And when you tell your story, you never know how you could be empowering someone else to not maybe jump off the building, but to take that first step. Yes. And to me, that's what you and I are all about, because um, there's a lot of people that are sitting on the fence, and they're saying, should I, shouldn't I, I'm afraid, da, 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 da. Right. And those, all those stories that we tell ourselves. Right. The minute they do it, they're empowered. So, yes. you know, to inspire and to influence and empower people to change their lives, to live the life that they want. Right. You know, we, we only get so many days on this earth and we never know
1: what's going to end. So why not enjoy every day? Exactly. I love it. Well, thank you for being with me today, Rita. You have been an inspiration to me. And I know the audience is suppose- going to love your message. So uh, thank you. It's been so great having you and uh, we'll have to do another one, you know, six months or so from now when your next book comes out, we'll do another podcast. I'd love it. I'd love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rita. It's been great. Same. Take care. You too. Looking to take your podcast to the next level with video? Are you looking to develop a podcast but don't know where to start? From recording and editing to final distribution and marketing, we can help every step of the way to make your podcast stand out and get the results it deserves. Contact us today at premierpodcastpros.com to take your podcast to the next level.